This is the State of Innovation podcast, where digital transformation's finest share their strategies and stories. I want you both to think of a number in your minds. I knew that you were going to do that. So why don't you introduce yourself? Um, you're new to the team, you're new to the crew. Tell us, who is Zeke? Okay, my name is Zeke and uh, I'm responsible for the business development uh, in the, the MENA region for deep dive technology. And uh, I'm looking forward to working with the team because we did a lot of good stuff together, had a lot of nice talks. So I think we're gonna be doing a great job. Well, I felt like I needed Tylenol after having long conversations with Misha. And now I understand that you and him have a lot in common. You have a background, uh, you're a techie by background, right? You went yes. techie, pre-sales, engineer. Can you kind of walk us through that process? Yeah, so when I started, I started as a proper nerd and I did all my uh, tech proper stuff. <laughs> yes, so I used to be uh, an ethical hacker and uh, do a lot of penetration testing and all this uh, lovely... Uh, I, I don't mice. believe in <laughs> sentence ethical hacking, by the way. <laughs> we, we always have it's to It's a hacker or ethical guy. <laughs> okay, so I'm a hacker with a good, uh, good morals. <laughs> Let's call it like this. Uh, and then after that, I switched to uh, pre-sales for some time. And then I had a talk with my manager and he said, why don't you become in sales? And I said, no, I don't like it. He said, okay, but you can sell anything because you have this talent of selling and boom done I became a sales guy like how much of an advantage do you guys think it gives you over someone like me you both come from techie background and have shifted to business executive kind of roles start with you Zeke like how much of an edge do you think that gives you in adding value for customers I think it gives you a lot of edge because the customer feels that you're not here to take his money you're here mm -hmm. to help him to utilize his money to make his life better. And this is because we understand the product. So if I'm selling something, I'm not selling the box, I'm selling the real product, which is you tell the customer what are the pros, what are the cons, because there is nothing like looks 100% good. So you need to tell him the, the, the bad part first, and then you need to show him how you're gonna use the good part of it, and then boom, the product is sold. Yeah. Mm. If you ask me, it helps. I think it helps to demonstrate relatively quick in no time that there is no BS. So we understand the, the, pro, uh, the, pro, the process, we understand the business, and the technology that we were we talking about actually fits there okay, and, and extends the business capabilities and ex extends the values, really brings the values. It's not about uh, like, oh, you need this just because it, everybody's use it okay already yeah all boxes looks alike from the from outside yeah. everybody have the same write-up so what gives us the edge and Misha can can confirm that is we know the inside of the product so when the customer say oh it does it do this yes or no you get a, a nice answer you don't say oh let me check with my techies and then I'll come back to you which makes it now you're you're bonding with the customer because he thinks that you know everything about it and not just selling it. Do you feel 
a lot of the times it's a combination. I think you taught me this, Misha. Usually you have a techie and a non-techie that go in and crack open the first conversation with the with an enterprise customer, right, to start the relationship. Do you, how do you feel about those two models? What if you have a techie and a non-techie or you have it all built into one? Is there an advantage one way or the other way? It seems to me like at the end of the day, you're trying to build trust. You're trying to show that you can deliver. And if you understand how to communicate in the language of an executive and you understand actually how the solution needs to work, you know, it's, it's an advantage. What do you think? I think we, we all need to feel where is the border. Okay, so for example, uh, when we really uh, having a conversation on really top executive level, we're really not going deep in the technology. We, we only, like I personally stop at the level that, yeah, I believe this technology will help you. It will be useful. It has the, the solution. Uh, if, if, if needed, let's talk about this in more details with the technical team, okay? So I'm not really going deep and uh, even demonstrating that I, I, I have some knowledge in this particular domain. I can mention that uh, I'm mentioning that I'm coming from this domain, from, uh, I have this in my background, but I really not discussing this. Uh, in some cases, the, depend, again, depends on the situations, it's even better uh, not to talk about technical and have beside you the top expert that can uh, really expand the topic and actually subconsciously deliver the message, yes, this is our domain, we know it, okay, so. Just by having another person sitting into the room, right? It's like physically showing that you're ready. I, uh, I experienced this many, many times and uh, that people have hard time to believe that you have expertise in multiple domains. So automatically they demolish the value in their head on, on stuff that you discuss. Yes, and this is one of the biggest organizations I worked with before was that the, the strategy of being in front of a customer is just putting 20 people in front of him. Hmm. <laughs> because now he thinks like, oh, these guys know their stuff. Yeah, you've been in front of a lot of customers. You're ex-IBM, ex-Microsoft. Let's address that. We talk about, um, you know, influence or as you say in uh, the Arabic culture, wasta. We're in Dubai right now and I hear people talk using the word wasta. The influence that you have. How much weight does that have when you walk into a room and you say, my name is Zeke, I'm XBM, XIBM, I'm ex-Microsoft. What does that do? Okay, first of all, when you introduce yourself, you do it in the opposite direction. So you say, I'm Zeke, I'm deep dive technology. This is the headline. That's where you start. And then you say, okay, I used to work in IBM, and like saying it, I'm ex-IBMer, it's nice, it's a good tag, but ex-IBMer, so why you're not there yet? Mm. So now you're here because you, you started developing in a different way. The weight of it as an IBM put a bit more trust that, okay, you're coming from the dinosaur of IT. Okay, now <laughs> you've, you've I, been I there. actually like when, when he said, and you're constantly developing, so XAPM, X-Microsoft, and next development step for him is it's deep, deep dive technology. Exactly. Awesome, man. And that shows a lot, right? <laughs> Absolutely. What would you say, um, you, you, you had that experience of working inside both. Misha, you've partnered with 
these large consulting companies, right? Like we sit on the Microsoft Consulting Services bench as an example. We've worked with them all. You've never worked inside of these companies. Zeke has had this opportunity. He got the, he got the fun part of it. He got the fun part. So, <laughs> so why don't you share, like what was, what was the best part of working inside of IBM and Microsoft from a general perspective as somebody that wants to get, you know, get ahead in their career in innovation and digital transformation. What was the coolest part? Leveraging on the company name. Mm. Because when you say IBM, so who, who made the hardware? Who made the software? And then Microsoft, who's, what, which platform most of the human are using? So when you say I am work, I used to work for them or I am working for them now, it's just, it doesn't need that much of effort to build the trust because you are coming from there. So boom, done. It opens the door. Yes. What, what, what was your thought, Misha, of why you never wanted? You had job offers from some of these guys, not to mention particular names. So what was your thought? Why did you resist this temptation? You probably were offered a, a good sum of cash. First of all, let's put aside cash. It doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. It really doesn't matter. Like, I, I don't believe in the concept that we need, anyone need to work just for money. Like, if you only work for money, you're dead body. It's, uh, you, know, you will be destroyed mentally in no, no time. Like, few months, one year, you will be destroyed mentally and uh, nobody knows how you will finish your life, actually. Uh, so, let's put it aside. Uh, I, it was time in my life when I wanted to work for some of those big organizations. And uh, yes, it was, uh, it was an offer at some, uh, at some time when uh, I put it down and didn't want to uh, pursue. And one of the reasons was at that moment, and now it's changed, changed to the good way. I didn't like the culture. I didn't want to be part of the big organization, keeping in mind that I spent more than 25 years working in, uh, with enterprises, in enterprises, and seeing the processes, seeing the procedures, seeing the amount of bureaucracy that you have to deal with. Uh, I, be I believe it's, it's not for me. Like, I believe in a fast, fast mode. I believe in a fast failure approach. We talked about this many times when uh, it's not matter about how well you prepared, it's about how fast you, uh, you try and test new things, recognize that it works or not. If, it's, if it doesn't work, you just drop it, move on, try another one. If it works, boom, expand on that. So I, I, I like this, this, this mode and I also believe that building and maintaining the culture uh, is one of the most important pieces in any business. Maintaining culture that you want in an organization with five people, it's relatively easy. 10 people, 20 people, 50 people, you can do this, okay? I know how to keep, like, I, I know how to keep the same culture same attitudes, same, uh, same um, uh, keep people with the same values, same goals, um, up to 1,000 people. I believe I know that. It's really hard to do this with 10,000, 50,000, 
100,000 people, okay? Yes, you can do this. Like, I really love what uh, Satya Nathalie did in, IBM, in uh, Microsoft uh, in the last just five years. It's amazing. Like, I, I loved everything. Like, and I, I know a lot of insights about how the company get transformed. And my, my personal opinion, Satya Nadella saved Microsoft. Otherwise, it would die. Well, what's your reaction to hearing this? Yeah, I'm happy, but still, like, as, as Misha said, it's not about money, because I always have it, like, I call it it's the hamster wheel. If, if, you <laughs> if, if you start working for money, you are stuck in the hamster wheel. So you're running endlessly because you're just making bits and pieces. And at the end of the day, did you live your life? No, you spend all your life just running for a big bank account, which is having six digits, seven digits, whatever number in it. But did you enjoy your life? Did you live your life? So this is the first thing that you don't decide based on the figures. Uh, second thing is, when I said Misha had the fun part of being working with like organization like Microsoft and IBM, it's exactly because what he said, the bureaucracy. The flexibility of working with deep dive technology makes it we can change strategy by just sitting in a meeting because you decide that the strategy is not working, you change it. And in other companies like IBM, this is impossible to do. So how important is that in, we're finishing 2020 right now, we're- Fortunately. We're, fortunately, <laughs> we're almost in 2021. We're seeing the buzzwords of adaptability, agility, resilience all the time, right? Things are changing faster than we can keep track of. How does this mindset kind of play into this next year? Um, is this something that, you know, does for these, for any organization that's providing any type of innovation service product to any type of customer, what do they need to do to be relevant in 2021? It's now tricky because there is pros and cons because 2020 made people think, okay, if you have the money, keep the money, don't spend it. So this is this is the the the, the, the dark side of it. I, like, I would say it's a natural reaction. Exactly, but like you know, you protect your assets. At We're that talking time. spending freeze, right? Yes. Yeah. And then and then, but at the same time, with with the amount of online services that popped up and the amount of everybody sitting at home, so everybody needs mobility to work from home. Now the the need for new technologies that is flexible enough to absorb and adapt whatever you've been doing, and just make it in a nice, multi-level, uh, fast-moving way that you can do it from home, you can do it from a coffee shop, you can do it if you're stuck in, in a different country because of any restrictions. That made life in a bit faster, but we are here to help the fast growth of this by giving different solutions, different ways of, of dealing with it, and then Done. You're, you're not selling a product as much as you're selling the concept of we are flexible and we can adapt whatever you have, do migration, do this, we don't need downtime. All this stuff that is coming from a technical place, it makes life easy now if you are willing to spend this much amount of money to do it. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts, Dad? Uh, you just opened a Pandora box. Okay. <laughs> because technically, like, Everybody heard the, the statements that last 30 years, last 50 years, we as uh, 
as a human, as evolution, like we progressed in the last 50 years more than the entire humanity progressed in the last 2,000 years. Just 50 years. I believe that this year, COVID forced organizations and businesses and even people to change mindset. And change mindset in a way that we need to operate fast now. Those companies that were not fast enough uh, during the COVID time, majority of them already dead. When I say not fast enough, they, they were not fast enough to change, to adopt, to, uh, to introduce new things. They're already dead, or they're probably going to be dead in the next six months. This is the fact. It's uh, like many researches about that. Like, yeah, you, you don't need to be genius. Just observe what was going on there, and you will see this. I believe that 2020 is the starting point of the new uh, speed of life that we, as human on Earth, will start living. So going forward, it's going to be, everything will be driven by speed. And as long as we can come and test the new, new idea fast, it is going to be a trigger. Do you, do you want to re reorganize, restructure uh, your business in a really fast mode? In a matter of days, boom, this is going to be a killer. Yeah. I was doing work, calls, responding to stuff, validating, like 20 minutes before going diving. And then checking the results uh, like uh, when we were on the boat going back uh, to the shore. It's like life is changing. The speed of life is changing. Back in the days, uh, organizations spent half a million dollars just on the POC. Six, eight months of POC. And then like another two years of transition to production. Those companies gonna die. Like it, it's disappearing. Speed, speed of action, speed of change. The, I would say is the new uh, buzzwords for 21 and going forward. So those organizations, like I, I believe that even all the roadmaps in big enterprises will start transform soon if they already didn't transform. So all the concept of the digital transformation, all the concept of becoming digital will start changing. It already started to change. Yeah. If enterprise unable to validate new idea in a matter of uh, uh, two weeks, three weeks, it's dead. Like, it's something wrong in the process. Look, you, you and I, yesterday, we were in a, in a meeting, amazing meeting with the, one of the biggest companies in their field in GCC area. Yeah. What the introduction, like how the, the, the guy that was in the, at the table, how he introduced himself, like from the title perspective, I loved it. Remember, like, Remind me. When we started the introduction, and he like, and remember he said, I am now general, generalist. Doesn't matter what, what's printed on my business card. Remember? Yeah, because of the speed to making decisions, right? The requirement of speed. A any thoughts on this when we're talking about speed? It's, it's now running on hyper mode. Mm -hmm. Because now you don't have the luxury of, oh, let's wait for two years. What if 
anything happened like what happened in 2020 that stopped life after two years or a year. So now you need to take the decision, you need to implement, you need to have a, a final uh, uh, results before even you think, is it, oh, should I go there? Or you know, Now, okay, let, let's go diving. Oh, we take a car and we just go for the dive. Why? Because what if tomorrow doesn't come? So live now, live today, tomorrow is a different day. Yeah, but not everyone has a dedicated vehicle specifically <laughs> for going on diving trips. So you're, you're in a unique situation. I, I, I would say failing to prepare is preparing to fail, you know? So we were prepared, and, we went there, there, everything there, was done. There is always a plan B. We could have go there, talk to, to one of the dive centers, and uh, just get equipment from them and go and do this. I would say good luck to that. Cut <laughs> 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 it. Good luck to that. I actually, I drove once there to Fujiro. Uh, arrived at 3, uh, 3 p.m. I'm like, guys, I want to be on the boat now. I'm, uh, I'm coming with people. And uh, yeah, they like put us on the boat and we went diving. Yes, go after 5 o'clock and ask the same question. <laughs> probably, probably going to be a problem. No, you won't find anyone to ask him the question. <laughs> that's, that's it. We talk all the time, Zeke, internally. You've heard the gossip about how enterprises need to become digital. Becoming digital is that phrase we keep turning back to. What does becoming digital mean to you? Uh, it, it means that you can use all your tools without being physically in, in a place that you need to be in. Like now the whole idea of being in the office. Do you really need to be in the office? If you have all the tools, everything, you have access to all your resources from home and you're secured and you're doing the, exactly the same job, including meetings and virtual meetings and, and you're doing everything. So plus the, the speed, as, as Misha said, the hyper mode now. So now, which is faster? To find your manager, to go to him and get the approval for something or just Click a button. Mm. So automation is a part of that, right? Okay. Becoming digital is a big <coughs> word about digitizing everything Life. within a company. Yes. Life. Yes. I like that. Misha? I don't like the, to see on this just from perspective, let's digitize stuff. Like, let's convert this document to PDF. It's not a digital transformation. Right. Okay? It's digitization of some assets, yes. But I like the concept digital life, okay? How we start running business by leveraging digital. What we changing in a business, what we changing in the processes, what we changing in outcomes. What, think about this, like uh, uh, government of Dubai uh, is de dealing with a paperless uh, project, right? Uh, it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's already more than 60% of government entities already switched to the full paperless. 60, wow. So uh, if, if you will take a look, and all this information is public, by the way. If you will take a look, we will see that uh, it was a lot of calculations. How much money government will save just to become a paperless? Just think about it, just paperless. So yes, it's, uh, it's gonna change a lot of processes, a lot of procedures, a lot of ways of operation, but just one outcome, paperless. We're talking about saving of paper. We're talking about saving of print on printers, maintenance of those printers, tuners, all that stuff. Now even more, 
you need to, to, to print something. Before, you needed to be in the office. Remote printing, yes, exists for years, decades. But there is always some limitations, security limitations, uh, different, different aspects. So it was always some challenge to print remotely. So people were going to the office to print one document to sign it. Really? Think about it. Now this person spends 40 minutes on the road, going back 40 minutes uh, at the end of the day, uh, like just uh, uh, carbon <laughs> emission of the uh, uh, car on the road for more than uh, like uh, one and a half hour a day. All that is get calculated. And then what the outcomes, like when everything will work as, as planned, the, the savings, just savings, I'm not talking about optimization of the processes, just savings, it's about $1.5 billion a year. It's the cost of the Burj Khalifa. A new Burj Khalifa can be built here every year, just on savings, on becoming uh, more digital. And that's just digitizing one piece, right? It's not digitizing. It's becoming, a, uh, starting to leverage digital technologies. It's not just about let's convert documents to PDF. It's, just uh, not use documents. Let's not use paper. And I would add on what Misha said, because you know me, I'm a kind of a tree hugger because of what I do. But like, not only saving money, and you're not only saving paper and you're, no, you're saving trees. So you're adding to the oxygen levels of the of Earth. Now the whole global global warming idea it can be reversed fully if you go on full digital, because now you stop cutting tree because you don't need uh, the paper to print on to get the signature on. Now digital signature. The whole idea of having a secured way to digital sign a document or an approval or whatever. This is what the, the, the government of Dubai now is embracing because all the approval cycle happens in way shorter time, less needed uh, documents and paper and going from a place to a place. You now you can apply for your visa online, you get the approvals online, everything is online and the only thing that is missing that need a paper is taking your passport going to a, a certain place, they print the sticker with the visa on it and they put it on your passport. And I promise you, in a couple of months, maybe we don't see that. So talking to you guys, it seems so obvious. It seems so obvious that every company should be doing this in the world, no exceptions, but they're not, right? Zeke, what, like why are they not? What's the hardest part about becoming digital? Where are companies getting stuck? Becoming, staying in a human mode. Humans, <laughs> humans tend not to like change. If it's mm. like this, keep it this way. So if give them works, don't touch. Exactly. You probably heard this many times, right? Yeah, don't break it. How, how many times people think, oh, let's move from house to house? A lot. How many times it's actually happened? Never. Why? Because, oh, it's the move. It's not. It's being scared of the unknown. And this is why me and Misha likes to dive, because every dive you go down, it's always unknown. We're not built to live there. We're not built to stay there. So this makes you are conquering the unknown. Most of the people in human mode, they say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, yes, I have documents. And even what makes it worse is some of these organizations, they are digital, but still having a paper because 
oh no, I have to have a backup on a paper, I have to have the signature on a paper because if anything happened, I need to have proof. Yeah, but digital is proof now. Well, we are not a team of uh, psychiatrists or um, mental coaches. So how do we help to change the mindset? Do we ignore the companies with the wrong mindsets or how do we influence the mindset? If it all comes down to in here, how do we make an impact there? Do you want to start, Misha? I would start with education. Like we, we do a lot, a lot of sessions, a lot of meetings where we just ask questions and making them think about this. Okay, and uh, this is one, uh, one of the approaches that I use uh, to educate the other part, to make them think differently. Like, we, do, we know what we know, we know what we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. Right. So we always need some help from outside of the second party, third party, to help us to uh, realize what we don't know. So we don't know what we don't know. Think about this. It's not just the, 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 the game of words. We need somebody to highlight to us what we don't know that we don't know. So we, ask, we do a lot of discovery sessions. We're educating, we do a lot of workshops. We, do, we talk, we present. Uh, we, we go to, to conferences, now it's a, uh, uh, like a lot of virtual conferences. And I, I, I would say we start with education, okay? Then, as a second approach, it's really important to bring the confidence that there is always a way back. Nobody likes one-way ticket. So. One-way ticket is it's, it's good in the song, but uh, it's not good in, a, in, a, in a real life. Like, we always want to go and, uh, and whatever we do, we try to go and have some redundancy. We want to have uh, uh, like peace of mind that if what we try to do, it's not going to work, we have uh, uh, the plan B. We have something, oh, we can go back, we can reverse. It's, it's everywhere. In some cases, so for example, uh, I, <laughs> we go dive, like we're diving everything redundant. <laughs> like more redundancy that uh, Zeke has, I never seen, okay, but on a dive. Okay, I'm close to this, I'm not there yet. He's got more knives than a ninja, it's crazy. And yeah. the, the, the interesting fact that uh, I've seen uh, divers around the globe, many of them, yes, coming prepared. They have, uh, uh, they have kind of backup plan for this and this and that and that, redundancy. And you talk to them and sometimes like you're asking them questions outside of the life and you don't see the same patterns that they even think about the, the other paths of uh, like what if it's not going to be this and that. So why in part one case it's like probably because our life on the line, <laughs> we think about the redundancy, but in the business, uh, it's, it's, it's not the case. But again, a lot of enterprises don't want to try new things if they don't have the confidence or at least a belief that they can reverse. 
What, what, what's your thought from a mindset perspective? I, 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 I totally it? agree. Like increasing awareness on how things can be better makes life easier. Again, everything that has been done in the past 50 years, as Misha said, like we, we developed a lot. It was because people were, some people were not scared of introducing new ideas, new ways of living, new, new, new. And then suddenly, now hypermode started. So think of it this way. I am living in a place where I can, I am happy with what I have. Yes, you can. But with the hyper mode now, with whatever is happening in, in life, you're too old. You're too, you're again, extinction. You will be like a dinosaur. So they didn't survive, not because only the, the volcanoes and meters and all this happened, but because they couldn't go fast enough, like what's happening now. So if you don't go in the hyper lane, I say you're going to decay. Mm -hmm. So let's jump, like we all agree, mindset number one. Let's jump beyond mindset. Let's, let's get a little bit more technical, not too much, otherwise I'll have to leave the room. But from, you know, from a solutions perspective, from a value proposition perspective, what do you think is you know, the missing ingredient or an area that enterprises struggle most? Is it data? Is it integration? Is it migration? Is it uh, something to do with uh, cybersecurity? Like, where do you think along the start of that digital journey do a lot of companies struggle from, a, let's say, a solutions perspective? I would answer in a different way, but what we do as Deep Dive is we show how much confident we are in our technology. And then, as Misha said, People are scared to go somewhere because they don't have the m enough confidence that, oh, can we do that? With using our references and putting that in, in place where you show the benefit of the new technology or the new digitization or how do you go as fast as this. And thankfully, we have Misha with us, which is have like proper say of, I can do it in, with, a, with zero downtime. When you tell this to the customer, your customer, even if he's lacking confidence, his confidence level just jumped up. Why? Because he looks at a guy that say, I'll give you back your money if, if this doesn't happen. Yeah, so it sounds like we, we really don't try to get into conversations as much as possible about we're bringing you data, we're bringing you integrations, we're bringing you on the particular solutions. It's more the business value, right? It's always about business values. Like from my perspective. It's always about business values. But, you know, like a lot of organizations, and again, there's not easy answers. If we will take a look how organizations progressed for the last 10 years, 20 years, we were just talking a few minutes ago about the mindset, works don't touch, right? So right now, we still have a lot of enterprises that leveraging legacy technology. And when we come to them and talk about, okay, here's the new cutting cage, shiny toy. In the back of their mind, they think, okay, how am I going to integrate with this? How I bring this now to, to, uh, to my ecosystem and how I make my legacy system ship data to this new amazing technology? How I will be leveraging this and that? how I will interconnect uh, like all those pieces, how, how I will adjust the business flow and technology flow like uh, that involved there 
with this new shiny thing. And a lot of enterprises, they just simply don't know about the integration. One of those meetings that we had here uh, uh, in Dubai in the last two weeks, remember one of the first questions that we were asked, how you guys integrate with this? Do you, are you capable to integrate with this and this? Legacy systems. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Yes. It was like straight on. Yeah. So people sometimes don't know how to do this and then they fall back again to the, to the mode of operation, it works, don't touch. You were an integration manager on a major IBM acquisition, right? Yes. We were talking about that, I think, on the way to yeah. or from a dive. It was one way or the other. Um, from, from your experience, like, tell us the importance of integration. I was, I was trying to tease that before because I feel like integrations is, is it's, I think it's something that we do really well so, as deep dive, but tell us your experience. So again, if, if IBM thought that, okay, we are good in many aspects and many verticals, but we are lacking a bit of cybersecurity. So instead of building and developing and making an R&D for that, why don't I buy a, a well-established company that have the technology, have everything, and just embed this as a plugin in my system? Mm. And, and this goes back to what Deep Dive now do is how the collaboration with the legacy system goes back to the high-tech, fast stuff. It's instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, why don't I get something as a plugin, plug it in my system, make it seamlessly the integration and the migration, and now I'm, I'm done. I have the knowledge, I have the know-how of, of cybersecurity, and this was ISS. Is integration becoming a, a, a hot topic? Is it an old topic right now? Or where does integrating different products, different data streams lie in the context of 2021? It's going to be always there. The integration cannot be an old school thing. because It always was there. Exactly. It's been there and it's always there. People don't do it or don't say it, but still, everything in life has to be integrated now to work together. Think of it like any watch. The gears in the watch, it's an integrating systems. Every gear do something, you integrate it with another gear, you get extra option, extra function. And by that, this is how we do it. We go, study your system, know exactly your pains and know how to make it happy, and then show you the value of not even making money, but saving money. So now, saving money means you're making more money. So it's, it's, it's a win-win scenario. Even if we're saving money, you're making money. Now you're saving money for some time, then you start making money with the same system. So as Misha always say, if we don't make you money, we're gonna save you money. Mm -hmm. it's, it's all about like, the, the, the data-driven decisions. And as much as more data we get, we get in collect and analyze, the better. But how we get this data, how we deal with all this, it's integration. Like as much as more integrations we have and easier integrations, we will get much better decisions. Like for again, I will I will step back to diving, right? Now, uh, real simple. I wanted to see under the water how much air I have in my tank. Not just from perspective how much bars I have. Like I, I have a gauge that shows me how much bars I have. 
but I wanted to also to, to, to have a real-time calculation for how much time I have error. How I do this, boom, in a, a dive computer that has integration with the tank, with the regulator, that gives me information in real time under the water. So that dive computer is useless unless it's integrated to these other products. I wouldn't call right? it we're, we're I wouldn't say use it useless. Exactly. It provides value. But with this small integration, I suddenly got another 20-30% of information that I didn't have before. And this is exactly what I said. You integrate because you add options. But instead of trying to have different independent systems that is doing different functions, this is when integration comes. Now you have different systems, all integrated, gives you one final thing. In here, in, in UAE, Sheikh Mohammed, the, the, the ruler of Dubai, he can look at the monitor, shows him everything that is happening in his government. How this is happening. Every single government entity is different. But mm -hmm. this is the integration and collaboration of the information that ends up on a higher level that goes there as charts and, 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 and numbers. He looks at it, okay, today is a good day for us. I want you both to think of a number in your minds. I knew that you were going to do that. <laughs> You'll probably say the same number, but um, between 1 and 10, how sophisticated, how well are large enterprise companies doing from an integration perspective? 10 being everything is connected perfectly and you're getting all this extra 20, 30% value because all the data is everywhere? Or is it one out of 10, meaning it's archaic, nothing talks to each other? Think of a number in your minds. Uh, Misha, you go first. W what number and why? Before I will say that, I will ask you a question, okay? I know that you were involved and you spent more than 120 hours just studying how paramedics work. Yeah. And uh, you discovered that uh, they putting the same data in two different systems because what? Because the systems did not talk to one another. So and in your opinion, and in your opinion, uh, like from one to ten, how <laughs> integrated them? I, I, and this is a big enterprise uh, environment. Large enterprise, public organization. I would probably say that they're at a maximum three out of ten. And I think the problem is, is they probably think they're at a six or a seven. So what you think and what you know is different. What are I, your I, I, I would say that in many enterprises, um, it's around more than six. Like I, I, at least I want to believe so. Okay, <laughs> it's more than six. I've seen enterprises, not a lot, to be honest. Uh, in my career, I've seen few enterprises around the globe that I would I would say that, that they close to nine. Like. Uh, I don't want to elaborate on how much effort they put in this and how much money they spent on that. Okay, this is another story. But at some point they realized that this is the journey to be a digital. They started this digital journey back in 99. And in about three years, they get to the level that I would say they, were, uh, they already uh, were about seven and a half. 
they started to get information uh, uh, from almost anything. They knew to how to use this information, how to deliver it from uh, one system to another. Like it worked really well. So the but you're saying a six is where you think the average large enterprise is. There's room my, for improvement. I I would bet on that. Okay. I, I, I would put some asterisks on that, okay? As, lo as long as we are not talking to the uh, technology company, software development company, for example, right? It's a different story. Like, if it's not IT company, and we're talking about anything but not IT, then it's about six. What are your thoughts? I, I, I would say four to six. But, but again, the human factor of having ego says, oh, I'm nine, and this is why most of the people think that they know and they are in a very good state. And this is part of our services that we do, is just showing, okay, this is the facts of life. This is where you stand now, and this is where we can take you. So, is this good? Now you're at four, now we can take you to eight. This, this is nice, is this good? Because now, the ego part of oh no, I'm good and everything. And this I've, I've seen a lot as a security consultant or as a, a, a guy that used to do even pre-sales. You go to a company and they say, oh, so are you secure? Yeah, we have a firewall, we have antivirus, we have, we have, we have, we have. All the building blocks are there, but are they integrated? See, back again to integration. And this is what makes life easy. And as Misha said about diving, all our gear in, the, in somehow they are integrated together. Because if you have a regulator, but the hose have a problem, then their integration is not functioning. The computer is reading the, the transmitters that is on the, it's all as a mesh, different systems, and all integrated together. So think of it, it's like everything in the world. Cars are integrated, blah, blah, blah. All this is using integration. How to implement it and why? This is your own decision. It's like its own journey. It seems like integrations are just getting better and better, right? How different devices, products, services, even teams are talking with one another, to put it in really general terms. Let, let's talk yeah, about... That, yeah, before we'll jump to another topic. Yeah. Almost every single merge and acquisition deals always starts uh, from the technology angle, from the one simple thing how I make everybody now in a team be able to see the calendar of each other, be able to send and receive emails under the same domain, same address format. How I do this day one, when deal gets signed that two companies merging together. One company acquires another company. How day one, everybody starts doing at least this small activity. And it seems like it's And this hard, is the integration. And it's harder than it seems. We were talking just about the user ID can be a challenge, right? Sometimes you can have yep. duplicate users. So it's, it's a big challenge. It's, and it's not even the migration and consolidation approach yet. Mm. We're just talking about integration connecting two systems and adjusting them uh, into the mode that they will operate as one entity. But data still stays segregated, mailboxes still segregated, calendar systems still different, like everything is still different. But the integration is the first step of 
connectivity of uh, the data exchange of anything. Like everything starts with integration. So let's jump off that data exchange. In my mind, at least, it seems like data is a really important part of any digital transformation. It seems like it provides you with insights. Based on those insights, you can do things. Is that correct? How important is data to decide what your transformation roadmap should even look like and what to do and what decisions to make at what point? Where does data fit in? Can you live without your memory? I don't want to try. Okay. You won't function without your memory. This is the data. Data is what makes you what you are now. So all the data that you're using, whether it's legacy data or, or, or anything, this is how you built up your current state now. So data is the most important part. And this is when, as Misha said, the more data we collect about the customer or about the client, that makes our life easier and makes that customer's life easier. So hiding stuff because, oh, I don't want to look bad in front of these guys that is coming to do the integration or doing whatever, that makes it a, a bit of, of a pain because now you've suddenly discovered something that was not said to you. So think of it this way, going to a hospital and you're saying, oh, my insurance number is this, my medical history is one, two, three. If they don't have that, then I'm allergic to antibiotics. I can, somebody can just give me a shot of antibiotics because they didn't know that I have. My data says I'm allergic to antibiotics. Mm. So yeah. this is the data. Now, again, it's all business should operate, if you ask me, from the angle of data-driven decisions. So don't, don't want to go even far. Really simple. How many people you have in your business that you need to pay salaries this data comes from HR from your financial department how many people uh, you hired in last one year uh, last year what was the revenue stream at that point is that, is it uh, matching is it uh, scalable uh, how are you going to plan the future how uh, what your business goal you you want to jump from 10 million dollars to 100 million dollars you need data. To data do analysis. analysis. Exactly. Take the data, analyze them, come out with an output, and take the decision based on that. Yeah, it's. I cannot uh, agree more. Remember the spin of uh, uh, supply chain management, where we're collecting the, the geotagging, right? Of the asset that we're tracking. One of the reasons to, to, to collect the geotagging is to see where the, the path of this asset from point A to point B, or from the moment when the asset gets created until the, the asset gets destroyed. Based on this, we can come up with the new insights. Guys, by the way, did you know that actually this asset can be transitioned from point A to point H faster by passing point F if we will do this? Yeah. I personally what, what, what was the reason why this particular asset stuck at that location for more than four days? How much did you guys pay for the facility to store this asset there extra two days? It's all data. And sometimes it makes no sense and it makes no logic. Like it's oh it's not obvious right away. Why are you guys collecting geotagging? 
for the asset that uh, has nothing to do with geolocation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So data, data, and, data, data, data everywhere. And I suppose this is another reason why when, when in doubt, when we're collecting data, we collect something even if we don't know how we're going to use it right now. I know you talk about that all the I, time. I try to do that, yeah. Like let's collect any parameter we can because we're going to use it. The, some, more, the more the better. Yeah, it just seems like <clears throat> I, I sometimes try to think with this mentality if you had perfect information, 100% information, you knew every single thing about your business, it would be super easy to improve. So like, how do you get as close to 100% as possible? You'll never get to 100% data, you'll never get to 100% awareness of every single thing, but the closer you can get, the better. So it sounds like what should guide the digital transformation journey is the data, right? Is is the ability to analyze the data. I would expand. Data should drive everything, not just a digital transformation. Exactly. exactly. Because if you take the decision based on your analysis that is coming from your data, it makes your life easier. Because at the end of the day, yes, you know hard stuff. Now you have experience, now everything. But okay, as Misha said, the people you have, What's the turn? What's the turnover? What's the who's not happy? Why they're not happy? If you get all these data in, you'd make your employees happy. You'd make them stay with you. So now the whole idea of oh this guy left, oh this account is, is thrown, the the missing links and the missing blocks in the whole mesh is going to come to a, where it should be. Think of it like the matrix. Well, we, we do we do data analysis constantly. Sometimes even without thinking and realizing. Like today, we wanted to be here in this room for this particular recording, right? We were, we were checking like the, the traffic. We knew when we need to be here. We were doing the calculation, how much time it's gonna take us to come here, where, when we need to leave our, uh, our auto, like all this stuff. It's a data analysis. We were yeah. gathering all this information and analyzing it really quick one entity decided to improve the life of the taxi drivers right and they wanted to learn what technology can do to improve their life right how we started we started to uh, to drive to ride in a taxi and to, like talking with taxi drivers just to collect data for analysis this is how it actually works, like everywhere. We, uh, uh, we saved to one company, like small companies, just 700 people, almost $150,000 a year, just on optimizing their spend on licensing for one cloud vendor, only one. Just one cloud vendor in one domain, in one niche, $150,000 savings just in a small business. We're not going to mention that cloud vendor on the podcast. No. <laughs> cloud. But how we did it? We did the end user behavior analytics. We were studying what, how they use the pro, uh, this cloud product. What pieces of this cloud product they use, how often, and then based on that, we crafted the ecosystem that can automatically on the fly adjust the licensing that associated with each 
and every end user in the organization. This is the you don't know what you don't know, right? They, exactly. This organization had exactly. no idea this was something that could be optimized until we step in, we look at the data, and we provide some option, right? And they can put it on their, their transformation journey. Based on the data that we collected. So if you go, it's, it's always about data mining. What data you have and what you're going to do with it. Both sides are important, exactly. right? Collecting and then analysis. creating. Analysis. Because if you, if like, okay, I have the data anyways, but did I look at it? <clears throat> so analysis, analytics is the whole idea of having the data. You use it to analyze your situation, and then from that you do something else. And this comes everywhere in life. Like, how are you look? How is everything? Where are you from? How old are you? All this is, I'm getting data now, okay? In, in the security life, it's called social engineering in right. cybersecurity because all the, the business card that you give to someone have a lot of information that they can use with or against you. Data-driven decisions everywhere. Look, what is your weight? Based on that information, Mr. Zig gives you the weights that you need to put on your weight belt when you go and dive. It's a data analysis. And in real he, time, if he doesn't in real know, life. If he doesn't know, if he's estimating, it's, it's going to affect the performance of the activity. It I, will, make, I would say the guess is the enemy of the success. Mm. <laughs> it's it's going to change everything. And if, like, when we go back to the diving part, let's say most of the, like, like the divers that doesn't know how to do the analysis, they just put some weight. Heavy is better than light, which is good. But do you know how much air you're going to consume extra just because you have extra weight that you don't need? Right. Because of the drag and, and, and. <clears throat> Think of this while making a car. I want to make the car go 200 kilometers an hour with utilizing this amount of gas. Get the data from the car, put the load on it, and then see and do the analysis, and boom, you have better performance. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking to a lot of companies right now that are struggling. Some of them are thriving. Some are having great years. Some are having successful pivots, and they're looking forward to what happens in 2021. But there's a lot of companies that are having some degree of challenge that's unusual, right? If I'd like to ask you both, uh, start with you, Zeke. If you had a megaphone and you can, we're having a lot of these conversations now, but if you had a megaphone and you, you could push one consistent theme or message to these enterprise companies that we're meeting with for what they should be focused on, what they should be doing, what's important for 2021, what would you say on that megaphone? Embrace the change. That's it. Because if they start thinking we can change and it's not something that anyone cannot do, then you're going into the new era of digital transformation, hyper mode, data analytics, everything. Why? Because you say, okay, I can change. Embrace the change, embrace the chaos, manage the chaos, right? I would say dream, to be honest. Start dreaming. Don't get out of this uh, uh, circle and where you just operate with what you have. Dream what could be changed. And yes, embrace the change. Start accepting that change 
is mandatory. We're going to die if we are not changing. We constantly, like, when we as humans get born, we're growing, we're changing. We're changing physically, we're changing mentally. We, we collect extra new data, we're studying, we're leveraging this data, we're changing, we're collecting data, we're learning something new, our mind is changing, our decisions uh, are changing. We are changing as humans. And we, we, don't, we do this without even thinking. In business, we need to think about the change. When we change, when we start, wanna achieve something, to achieve something, we need to start dreaming about this something new. How we become X? How we become leaders in this niche? How we take the car industry of 100 years and change it? Let's take out this uh, oil engine. Let's make it electrical car. Why? Maybe just because we want to change. Maybe it starts from there. We need to start thinking about this. Like, because the, the change actually is a driver of the innovation. It's a driver of evolution. Our evolution is all about change. In a life and in a business. We need to change. To change, we need to dream about something new. People always had a dream to fly. This dream drived the change to invent the plane. People always dreamed about the space. Now we're in space. People were dreaming about finding another planet where we can, as a human, live. How much studies we, are, we do right now in the world about Mars? A lot. We're talking right now about colonization of Mars. We're talking about living under the water. <laughs> <laughs> this is the change. Yeah. <clears throat> so, but this change, I think, starts from, like, really, as a point zero, as a dream. Think, about Think of yourself personally before you did the dive. Can I dive? This is always comes. Oh, can I do it? Can oh, I breathe I need underwater? It. Exactly. One, two, three things. And then when you did it, you, you got taught how to do it and you did it. And now your life changed. Now you can go to a place and say, oh, yes, I can dive. Why? Because I'm good and I can do it. So you embrace the change that it's a new thing. Why can't I do it? And, and because of the factor in the business way, it's like a lot of factors say, oh, no, don't change. First of all is being scared. If I do this change, will I keep my job or I get fired? So again, there is a lot of decisions that makes life different. But if you accept the changes, then you're done. Absolutely. Mr. Zeke Zorokani, Director of Business Development, MENA Region. Any final thoughts as we welcome you to the team here and crack out this podcast? What's on your mind? Uh, we're expecting happy days. So <laughs> we, we, we live it day by day. Life is going to be better. We dream it. We can make it happen. We even ended with your catchphrase, happy days. Happy days. Yes. Awesome. Thank you very much.
Happy days. Happy days. Welcome on board, man. Thank you very much. Happy days. I would say happy days. We're going not going up now. <laughs> Good. No, we are going up, man. We're going up. Yes. Just slowly and not faster than your uh, slowest bubble. Thanks for tuning in to another episode at the State of Innovation. If you got feedback, ideas, or possible next guests, send us an email at info at stateofinnovation.show. Check out our website for all episode history, www.stateofinnovation.show. We're available on basically all major podcasting channels, including YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and whatever else is out there. And join the conversation going down on LinkedIn. We'll see you in another one. The State of Innovation Squad hopes you've enjoyed this podcast.